Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Everybody, welcome back to the Scoop, Alscoop.com's podcast. It's season seven, episode 27. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss today. Everybody else has deserted us, unfortunately. Yeah, starting to think it might be us. Probably. Like, wait, there's a possibility that we have a little like cameo at the end. It's kind of like when like a main character from season one gets killed at the end of season one. But then, like season four, they have like a dream sequence where the, the main actor comes back for a cameo. That could be that. Yeah, Sam Cohn could in a very okay. Let's let's talk about this. Sam Javon Cohn could, Javon could hop in post five p.m. You don't know. Sam Cohn went to Cancun. He did. If you closed your eyes a week ago, Sam Cohn's not a Cancun guy. He's not. He is not a Cancun for spring break guy. That's not. I don't think so. I I would I would have like never have guessed that he'd like going to Cancun. I'm mean, good for him. I'm sure he had a great time. Um. Be a little Montezuma's revenge sprinkled in with your uh, Ooh, your little dose with not. the cocoa. I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I would I would have thought that he's just like, yeah, I'm going. I don't know, journaling for a spring break. No, no. I mean, he's posted stuff on Instagram where he's hanging out. You made a reference to MTV's spring break, which no chance he got. There's no chance that he was like, oh yeah, MTV Spring Break. Like they don't do that Sam, anymore, right? Sam's a complicated guy. He doesn't get a lot of those references, but yet he is a huge Back to the Future enthusiast. So he can hit a, you know, he can hit like a, a mid '80s fastball, both literally and figuratively, right over the plate. What does that have to do with MTV Spring Break? Dang, he goes back like you didn't get like he. He liked like, this one trilogy of movies, so he's used to Nelly saying, performing his, in 1999. His his knowledge base somehow skipped like some parts of the 90s, early 2000s, but he goes back to the 80s. So it's not necessarily like an age thing with him. You know, we can't assume it's an age thing. That's all I was saying. You don't care. I think, it's, I think it's still an age thing. I think it's just that he <laughs> happened to like an iconic trilogy. That's like saying, like, oh, the guy who likes the, he likes Star Wars, so like we can reference, you know, Schindler's List to him. Like, no, there's still an age thing there. Like, one's like an iconic situation, and then he wasn't there for the rest. He wasn't there for baggy jeans and like Carson Daly, tight rolled jeans, peg jeans, tight rolled jeans. That's like early '90s. Were they doing Spring Break in the early '90s? Uh, I thought MTV Spring Break was like late, later 90s. I don't know. I anyway, should we digress. Anyway, well, you uh, know who did join us this week? Jaleel White joined us this week. He's not on Spring Break. He is down in Houston, Texas, where, again, if you guys are listening to this, uh, we're recording this on late Wednesday afternoon, early evening to 5 p.m. on a Wednesday. Uh, nice weather outside. Uh, you'll probably be listening to this on Thursday morning. So, uh, again, Temple has a big game coming up, their biggest biggest game of the season. I know we've said this, but you know, here's a team now that's 16 and 10 overall, 9 and 6 in the American. Why are you uh, laughing at me? Biggest game of the season. <laughs> Today, I mean, look, I mean, if they win this game on the road, then what changes? Uh I think okay, obviously they don't go to like number 1, they don't jump to the top of the conference standings, but it's a nice quad one road win over a top 25 team late in the season. I'm not saying it Which gets Temple now has. Due to Vanderbilt getting a little surge at the end, Temple now has a quad one road win over Vandy. Vandy yeah. is a quad one game, man. Yeah. So, 
nonetheless, the Owls are 16 and 10, nine and six in the American Houston's ranked 14th in the country. And so, you know, obviously they've been dealing with injuries. We, we know that the Caleb battle has been out. Jeremiah Williams has been out. Not sure if they'll get him back at all the rest of the season. So, but Temple's been plowing along. They beat Tulane on Sunday. So, you know, they're, they're really just fighting at this point for a first round bye in the conference tournament. So uh, we're going to play this interview with you guys uh, for you guys in a second with Jaleel White, obviously having a nice season in his first, uh, technically a, a second year freshman for the Owls missed last season, you know, with the, the meniscus injury, the second one of his career. So what you're going to hear here is us just talking to him about, you know, you know, how he's progressed this season, uh, a good stat that Kyle has, has unearthed like he tends to do as the stat guy. So um, I woke from my stat slumber. Yes. Yeah. And, and just hear, hearing him talk about, you know, other guys on the team, how he feels they match up against, uh, uh, against Houston. And, uh, and then we'll talk to you on the other side of this interview. All right. So as we said, Temple is 16 and 10 overall, nine and six in the American heading into tomorrow's very important American athletic conference game at number 14, Houston. And uh, a big part of why the Owls are in fourth place in the conference standings, despite the injuries that they've had, the players like Caleb Battle, Jeremiah Williams, even Damian Dunn at times along the way is the play of Jaleel White averaging 7.3 points and 5.8 rebounds per game. Ja, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us today. I'm going to kick it over to Kyle here for the for the first question because he has a stat here that he'll share with our listeners that should give everybody some context just to, you know, where you are in your first season with the Owls and how you compare to some of the past players. Yeah, so Julia, I mean, if the, if the season ended today, which obviously it doesn't, um, you would be just the third Temple player since the turn of the century. So the, the entire Fran Dunphy era, the entire Aaron McKee era, and the end of the John Chaney era, the first, the, the third Temple freshman to average at least seven points and five rebounds in his freshman year. So I guess that kind of just sets up the question of, did you expect to make this much of an impact this early? What were kind of your expectations coming into this year? Um, honestly, I mean, yeah, it's something that I expected. Like, I know what I can do on the court. My coaches know what I'm capable of. But um, to be the third, just the third freshman did it, no, I didn't really have – I didn't really think of that at all, honestly. Yeah, and one of and one of those guys is LaVoy Allen, a guy that was a second-round NBA pick, spent a, made quite a bit of money in the NBA all for a rookie year. So, obviously, some good company to be associated with, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we we asked we asked Ty Strickland a similar question when we had him on our podcast last week, um, and I know that you know a lot of your time at Temple has been taken up by by being injured last year. But if you could compare who you were when you first got to campus last year to where you were now on the court, off the court, what, what would you say about how you've changed in that time? Um. Honestly, I feel like my injury was a blessing. Like last year, I could say um, physically I wasn't ready. I like I wouldn't have performed as well as I am now this year. I just look at it as a blessing. Like, yeah, like it's just a blessing in disguise to me. Honestly, like, how, how so? Uh, just it just gave you more time to learn about the game and just get ready. Yeah, like just sitting on the sideline, watching my teammates develop, like just watching the game from the outside for a year really helped me get to where I am today. It made me a smarter basketball player. I got stronger physically and mentally. Like I feel like that year out was everything for me. 
Uh, Jaleel, Sunday, obviously, you had uh, your second double-double of the season, 13 points, 12 rebounds, and you had a really crucial three-pointer kind of down the stretch there, which something which is something that I think is fair to say maybe the first half of the season you might not have been as confident with with shooting that shot or it might not have been as successful. So what's kind of changed over the last, you know, 5, 10, 12 games that has led to you being more confident with that shot? Is it just repetition? Is it something physically? Um, I think it's just uh, putting the work in and having confidence. Um, I've been shooting after practice a lot, getting in the gym for extra hours. So I just feel like I've been working on the shot and it's something that I should take every time I'm open. Was that something that was kind of maybe identified by the coaching staff as like, hey, that's the next step in your game is being more consistent with that mid or long range shot. Was that kind of something they were harping on or was that something that you just knew you had to work on? Um, for me, it's it's something that I knew my coaches knew. Everyone knows like watch outside and they know. Uh, that's the next step to my game is developing a jump shot. So I feel like it's just, yeah, it's just something that I know I need to work on and the coaches know. So when, when Caleb Battle went down with his injury in the LaSalle game back in December, you know, the two games to follow, you guys beat Penn and then you, you won at Vanderbilt in overtime, but then you guys had those losses to, to St. Joe's and UCF where you guys just didn't look good. And then since then, you guys have won 10 out of your next 15 games and you've dealt with injuries, but I mean, it, I know there's a lot of basketball left, but it clearly looks like you guys have things headed in the right direction. And there's a lot of optimism for, you know, the rest of the season in the future. Did what, what changed after those St. Joe's and, and UCF losses? I know sometimes like fans and reporters want to point to stuff like that. Did anything, did you guys talk as a team or is it just, just how things have evolved because it seems like after those two losses, you guys really started to get things turned around. Uh, yeah, those losses hurt, and we know those are losses that we should never have. So I just feel like we did have a couple of team meetings, coaches' meetings. We were like, we got to pick this up. Like, there's no way we should have lost those games. And I feel like that's what we did. We came into practice working hard every day since then. So how's, uh, how's your shoulder holding up? Uh, my shoulder's good. It, like, it, it tends to tweak during some games, but it's fine. It feels uh, great. Is that something that you can kind of pinpoint, like, hey, this game is starting getting worse, or has it just been a nagging injury that you've had for a while? Uh, it's been like a nagging injury. Uh, in the summer, I like it like popped out and went back into place, and like since then, it would do it would do uh, it would do that sometimes, but it's fine. It's not really a big deal. Ever since you were at Wildwood Catholic, everybody's – I feel like you're always described as just this very versatile player, very intriguing player, and you've heard this before. People have said, like, they think the Temple got a steal when they recruited you, and it really looks that way. And it might sound like a simple question, but, you know, how would you describe yourself as a player to someone who would never seen you play before? Um, just a uh, two-way guard, honestly. Um with my size, you know, I could defend a couple positions, but just a really scrappy two-way guard uh, likes to get after it on defense and make the smart plays on offense and uh, get to the basket. Well, obviously, before he got uh, dinged up isn't the right phrase. Before he got injured, Jeremiah, you know, had the ball in his hand a lot. Um, but over the last couple of games without him, you know, you've been playing with the ball more. I see her's obviously taken on a huge role. How has the team kind of just adjusted to maybe fill in his, his void? Um, I mean, that's some big steps, uh, some, some big shoes to fill. But um, I feel like we have like this next man up mentality. So 
one goes down, next man up. And I feel like we've been doing good at that. Like everyone on our team can play 30 minutes a game with no problem. So I feel like that's what they've been doing. On a, on a personal level, does that just is do you think that's just another opportunity for kind of for you to kind of show the versatility of your game? Like, hey, I can bring the ball up. I can you can run the offense through me at times. Uh yeah, for sure. For sure. Not having our starting point guard, yeah. Joel, you guys are, you know, looking at, again, a big game tomorrow at Houston. You're down there now. They're coming off a, a 71-53 over Cincy, and they beat you guys, but only by five back on January 2nd. They're similar to you guys. They lost their leading scorer and Marcus Sasser, but they've, you know, they've got some size and versatility. Fabian White's good. Uh, Josh Carlton's good. Um, you have Kyler Edwards to worry about. Can you kind of give us a scouting report as to what you've seen of those guys since since you last played them and, and how you attack trying to beat them and what your role is in that? Uh, from outside looking in, they like to go to the post every play on offense. So every time their big catches the ball on the post, we're going to double it off of uh, Tejan Moore. And then defense, we just got to bring it. We got to bring it. And offense, we got to make shots. They're a great defensive team. So I feel like we got to make shots and have one of our best offensive games of the year, and we'll be good. Kyle mentioned Heiser Miller earlier, and I mean, you're, I know you're a year older than those guys, but I mean, he's had a big role with this team. Zach Hicks has had a big role with this team, and and they're not just one-dimensional players. You know, Heiser is doing a little bit of everything. Zach, I mean, people know he can shoot, but he's he's really it looks like he's really defending, really rebounding too. What's your view of of how they've progressed and what they've given you guys? Uh, I'm really proud of them guys. Uh, I feel like. They've given us a lot, especially uh, Zach Hasir has stepped up big. But I feel like they're a big part of the team that we are going to continue to need throughout the years and throughout the rest of this season. We've got before wanted to uh, ask you a few fan mailbag questions here before I did. So I was, I was texting with your, your assistant coaches earlier and I said, what could we ask Jolio that he doesn't get asked about or anything else aside from basketball that he likes? And Chris Clark wrote dirt bikes. Told me to ask you about dirt bikes. <laughs> uh, just what about dirt bikes? Yeah. Like? Yep. I don't even know if that's uh, like an inside joke or if you really like riding dirt bikes. He did, that was it. That was his text to me. No, nah, that was like uh, one of the first things that I loved doing growing up, like even before basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up on dirt bikes and it's still a love that I have to this day. Now, is this like something you do at the shore, like growing up, like around the shore in Jersey? Uh, yeah, it's something that me, my dad, my brothers, my friends, we've been doing uh, since we were young. Mm-hmm. And we still do it to this day. What else yeah, do you it's do? Something I'm, that I do back at home now. What else do you do? I, I know a lot of times guys will say, I don't have much time for anything else other than basketball and school, but is there something off the court that people don't know about you or something that you, you know, when you, you do outside of basketball just to decompress other than that? Other than ride dirt bikes, not really. It's pretty basic. Basic uh, school, basketball. It's really it. Gotcha. So these are the mailbag questions that we got here. These are from, uh, you're going to hear screen names. These are subscribers on our, our Al Scoop message boards, the basketball message boards. So um, the first question comes from the, the screen name is Park Al. And his question is, Jellio, what's the biggest difference you've noticed with the team, whether on the court or in the locker room, between when you first got to Temple and today? 
Um, just our relationships and how much we've grown together as a team and started to bond. Like when I first got here, I mean, we were all friends and stuff, but I feel like we built like a brotherhood like since the beginning of the year, since last year. And I feel like that's something that can continue to grow. Just having, uh, just having each other's back and being brothers. It it does really, just as a follow-up, I mean, it does really seem like you guys are just, even your body language on the court, it really does seem like you guys are a close group. I mean, did some of that come from the fact that a lot of you guys are younger or does some of that just come from, you know, spending more time each other when you, around each other when you couldn't do as much during COVID? Because it does seem like you guys are a really close group. Yeah, I just feel like, I feel like it comes from just spending time with each other, especially with that last year of COVID. Um, just being around each other 24-7, we had to find a way to find better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what we did, and it's helping our play on the court. Mm-hmm. Next uh, question here, the screen name is Berkshire Al. His question is, how has the coaching staff helped you improve your game? Um, my coaching staff is on me every single day. I feel like they're pushing me to be my best every day. Uh, uh, criticism, everything you can think of, uh, just on top of me, uh, making me get shots when I don't feel like it. When they notice I'm having a bad day, they'll still get on me. Mm-hmm. Like just being on top of me. I, just as a follow-up to that, when we were I, one of the times that we had Jimmy Fennerty on the podcast, he brought you up as a guy. Like A lot of people were just naturally hearing about you last year your name kept coming up he looks great in practice you know we're trying to bring him along but you really would have expected big things from him this year and I think Jimmy shared this story where I think he said you came up to him during during drills and you you either wanted to get back into a drill or said I I think we could be going harder here and he just talked about how competitive you were and he talked about on the flip side of that that you were really kind of pushing yourself and pushing them and he said he really likes that about you is that just something where you felt really comfortable with them because he according to him you you push him and push the coaches just as much as they push you yeah I remember that day it was uh one day last year we were just having like a light day just Mm -hmm. uh feel like we were just getting shots up and just like going through drills and like coach why are we competing like can we compete Mm -hmm. and that's something that they've been talking about to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. The screen name is what, what to you? His question is, do you think you are the best dunker on the team? <laughs> uh, no, nah. I, I kind of gave up my uh, dunking days. I just try to get the two. Is that more just like protecting your knee or just not your style or? Uh, no, nah, I'm not really like a flashy guy. I just like to get the two points and yeah i mean ever since i heard my knee i like tried to like stop doing a bunch of flashy dunks and stuff yeah just to be on the safe side who who is the best dunker on the team uh best dunker on the team gotta be sage probably yeah um next, next question the screen name is joe becca and his question is what areas of your game do you see yourself needing to work hardest on to improve? Um, shooting. Is shooting it just for as, sure. Is it just as simple as just getting the reps after practice? Or, like, do you ever, like, when your coaches are working with you, do you ever change anything mechanically about your shot? Or is it just as simple as just, like, getting shots up every day? Um, it's a little bit of both. A uh, couple weeks back. I changed, like, something mechanically. Like, I started getting my elbow in more mm-hmm. and my hand more under the ball. And I feel like that's when I start to see my shot fall more. And 
and definitely just reps, just shooting as many shots as you can each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last mailbag question here, the, the screen name is Philly Al 96 question is, do you and your teammates talk about your chances of winning the conference tournament? And where do you think the team will be uh, in terms of like what the expectations are for next season? I mean, we don't really talk about, we don't really talk about it because it's like kind of self-explanatory. Like we all know what we want. We all know what the goal is. So it's just there. And every day I practice, uh, I feel like that's what we're all working towards. And what was the second part of the question? Uh, what do you think the team's expectations are going to be for next year? To win everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's all our goal is just to win. We want to win everything. Every game we play is to win. Just a, well, I guess, sorry, oh, ahead, John, just to kind of follow up on that. I'm wondering if there was like a moment where, I mean, last year was obviously a rough year, right? Not many wins. Mm-hmm. You're injured. You don't really see much. But the, the message coming into the season, whether it was from Caleb or Damien or anybody was saying, like, that was an anomaly this year we're going to be a lot better. I'm wondering if there was a moment where you guys started to maybe believe, not, I know that you guys always believed in yourself, but maybe kind of appreciate that maybe the outside perspective was starting to change that, Hey, this was starting like we believed in ourselves. And now we're starting to realize that the world is also noticing it. if that's rewarding, if there was maybe a game where you kind of noticed that, Hey, the perception of the program where the season has changed. Uh. Yeah, so, like, after our rush stretch in uh, Charleston and then we came back and I, we beat Vanderbilt, I feel like that's, like, when the outside – when the outsiders started looking at, like, this team can be good. And I feel like that's when we really started to believe in ourselves. Like, we got a chance here getting, like, an SEC win. Is I feel like that's when it, the turning point was. Does that help? Does that help, like, fuel you guys when you're starting to realize, like, hey, like, hey, our self-scout was accurate. Like, we knew we were this good. Now we're starting to see results. Does that kind of just feed in? into itself uh yeah definitely and then it was kind of heartbreaking going to st joe's and losing but just picking it up after that yeah for sure and you're pretty close with jordan hall right yeah that's like my brother um it just to close things out the what i wanted to ask you kind of similar to what kyle had just asked you i i think sometimes from the outside looking in people do say wow they're gonna be you know imagine when they get Caleb back, imagine when they get Jeremiah back and they could add a piece here or there. But I mean, do you guys kind of look ahead and say, well, you know, the last time we played Houston, they only got us by five. And I mean, do you guys look at it and say, Hey, the, let's not even think about next year. Think about this year, the conferences. Do you, I guess my question is, do you guys look at the conferences being up for grabs and saying, Hey, the, maybe the tournament, maybe the NCAA tournament is within our grasp this year. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I I know I like I'm more of a like living the moment type of guy. Like I'm not really looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to like right now. Like and I want to win everything. So I feel like yeah, the conference is definitely up for grabs, and I feel like that's something that we're going to get for sure. Gotcha, Julio. This has been great. Thanks, man. Best of luck to you guys. Uh, good luck tomorrow, and have a safe trip back home. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks, All right. So big thank you to Julio White for joining us on the scoop this week. I said you never know who's going to join us post 5 p.m. And it turns out we're not alone today because Vladimir Putin has joined us. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) Joining us on the scoop, Javon Edmonds, our trusty staff member. So, Javon, we just finished up this interview uh, with Jaleel White. Um, I know you couldn't be with us for that interview, but I mean, you've covered the team. Um, What's your view of just how he's progressed to this to this point in the season? Obviously, they they needed him at the outside uh, outside of the season. They need him even more now. 
with Caleb out and they've been playing with Caleb battle out, but I mean, they could be without, you know, Jeremiah Williams for the rest of the season and Jaws, we all know, we describe him as this versatile piece, but he can handle the ball, can do a lot of things. Where have you seen him progress from the outset of the season until now? I think he's still a, a lackluster jump shooter, but that hasn't deterred his confidence. Like I'd rather a guy, and, and I mean, we're located in Philly. I think the problem everyone had with Ben Simmons was that he wouldn't attempt to shoot. Jalil White has a bad form, uh, you know, not so trusty jumper, but he doesn't let that get in the way of his confidence. He'll still shoot it, and it has resulted in him hitting some big shots down the stretch in a, more than a few games this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that confidence for a freshman – I know he's a second-year freshman, but he messed up his knee last year. So, I mean, he's kind of, in a sense, a true freshman, close to it. Um, so to get that out of a young guy is great. And then for him to be able to be – you know, Jeremiah Williams 2.0 at times, uh, his ability to score at the at the rim, it, bright future ahead for him. I think he is uh, – he's got a bright future. Him and Zach Hicks as the next two guys for the next four years, I think Aaron really hit on that. And I'm just excited to see what, you know, Jalil turns into. He's got that running hook that he's fallen in love with, like that Magic Johnson-esque finish around the rim. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. And he said in the interview just now that, you know, he you know, he's gotten a lot of reps up in terms of working on a shot. He said that recently he did make an adjustment where he locked in his elbow a little bit more and he thinks that's helped. And um, to me, he just kind of feels like one of the players that Aaron wanted to recruit with, with Houston in mind because they've kind of been we've talked about this before. They're kind of like the benchmark for Temple. They're, they're long, they're athletic, they're they can you know, offensive rebound you to death and, and extend possessions and tip the ball out. And, and Jock can give you a little bit of that. I mean, I, you know, they're, he said to us just now that they'll look to throw the ball down in the post, almost every possession they have. We know that temples really struggle without like a true big, they'll try Nick Jordan down there. They'll, they might try Emmanuel Pomo down there. And, but even John might have to try to defend guys at times like Fabian white and Josh Carlton. And I don't know, do we think before we get into some, spring football here and closing things out. I mean, heading into that game, there's, I mean, I, they're not going to be, they're not going to have Jeremiah Williams. We know that they've been without Caleb battle. Is there anything that would tell you guys that they've got anything in your gut saying like, maybe they knock off Houston in this game. Eh, no, I, I, I can't be that optimistic. No, I just don't see it. Talent has to come into play at some mm-hmm. point. And, and Calvin Sampson's team just has more talent overall than mm-hmm. Temple. And then you combine that with experience, and they're trying to play themselves onto uh, that four-seed line and securing the top seed in the conference tournament. There's so much at stake combined with how much talent Houston has. I can't see Temple coming out of this one. Uh, I agree with, with pretty much all of that. I mean, I think this would have been different if – if Houston stumbled a month ago, right? Like they lost back-to-back games to SMU and Memphis. If that hadn't happened, Houston was just rolling and they had nothing to play for right now, then maybe Temple has a shot. But like Calvin Sampson is going to have them focused on this just because they still have more to play for. They want to lock down that one seed in the conference. They want to get their footing better going into the NCAAs. Uh, John said earlier that this is the most important game of Temple season, and I don't agree with that. I mean, I think it's just that like it's the next game up, and obviously it'd be uh, – this is a little – let me bring this full circle. It's a little a feather in your cap for those that are focused on the wheel of fortune <laughs> meme going around. 
Um, it would be a nice, it'd be a nice feather in your cap, but like, it wouldn't change anything for Temple. They wouldn't all of a sudden be an at-large team or anything like that. Like it would fill them with confidence. The young team, it's nationally ranked win, I guess. But Temple's still going to have to make its hay in the conference tournament. Not to get us too far off track, the the the, the wheel of fortune thing that's out there. Javon, did you see this where, where people couldn't get that? And John, we literally dedicated a twenty-minute segment to that on the air today. Yeah, it, it was saw it last night. They gave it twenty minutes on air today for a UFC show. No, for our MMA show, we spent 20 minutes talking about it. I didn't even know. I did not know that. So I I thought, like, maybe I'm being too harsh here. I thought it would have been even more of a thing if at the end, like, literally nobody got it. But that guy got it at the end. I feel like we've seen more played out, like, funnier things in a game show. I thought people like, oh, my God, this is like, this is an incredible clip. But, like, the guy finally got it at the end. I was like, all right. If if the guy still didn't get it at the end and they were like, nobody could solve the puzzle here, I thought it would have been even better. But that's just me. Okay. And remember, the one guy tried to buy a G. Like, yeah. Huh? yeah. He, he's not getting enough hate. That, that's a great hate. point. That's yeah. a fantastic point. We're just glancing over the fact that the guy thought G was a vowel. Like, just yeah. saying. <laughs> that was a great point. That was point. bad. That was I bad. Think, I think with things like this, people, it's so easy for, like, like, a lot of people when they watch, like, Jeopardy, it's hard for people to project themselves into, like, 1800s aristocrats. Like, it's hard for them. Like, I don't know that, so I don't know this. But this is a situation where, like, the – the communal, the community of Twitter was like, I know this. So those people are idiots. Like it's just easy for them to like project themselves on the wheel of fortune, but you don't know, you don't know what's going on. Like in that moment, you're so focused on this. It's kind of like, yeah, like it's, it, you wouldn't know what you would do in that situation real quick, not to get too far off into this wheel of fortune. I've noticed has been having an overwhelming number of San Diego people because they film in san diego so i think i think times are tough in wheel of fortune land and they can't afford to fly people in from cross country all over the place so they're just bringing in any schmuck that cleans the meerkat poop out of the san diego zoo and wow. saying, guess what now you're on wheel of fortune the level of talent has gone down as a result of this because you're so focused in you can't double tap it's not like jeopardy where you win you come back <laughs> the next day no once you're once you're on wheel of fortune you're in you're out we're running out of san diegoans san diego san diegoans San Diego. Well, yes. well, the lady from last night was like a dean of students or something like what UCSD, probably San Diego State. Or she Kawhi's aunt. I think we it was don't a high know. school, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's going to be brutal if it was a high school. It students, runs deep. Yeah, this is like just went down. It's like when you start realizing that, like, hey, like things funnel down from like or funnel up from like the youth level up to AAU, up to college, or up to high school, up to college, up to the NBA, and you're having a talent deficiency. We have a talent void in Wheel of Fortune. Javon, two questions for you real quick before we get to spring football. Did you watch game shows growing up? And if so, do you have like a dream game show that you would like to be a contestant on? I wouldn't mind bringing my family on the family feud. I would love love Steve Harvey. Was hoping you would say that. Tell me more. Uh, Yeah, we watch that in Jeopardy all the time. Wheel of Fortune every now and then. Uh, The Price is Right whenever I stayed home from school. Uh, Were you yeah, old, are you old enough that you had Bob Barker or was it always Drew Carey for you? I mostly remember Drew Carey. Oh, no. I think I was around for a bit of Bob Barker. <laughs> I remember he made like a guest appearance on Monday Night Raw and I knew who he was. So, <laughs> yeah, when they were doing that whole special guest host every week thing. Yeah. yeah. I did. You, you, I have to get you to meet. A WHIP alum, Nate Weaver. Have you ever have you ever heard about this? Like he was on Family Feud a couple of years ago. So I like Temple. Yes. Yeah. 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 Seen it a million million times. Yeah. Yeah. You got to meet. You got to meet Nate. 
He was like, he told us about being on family feud. He's like, it's not going to air for a while. Can't tell you if we want or not, but he's, I don't know. Follow, follow in his footsteps. That part never makes sense to me. Like, I understand why you have like an NDA and like, you can't ruin this, especially with like Jeopardy, which is like a month in advance. Like my buddy from high school was on Jeopardy last summer. Couldn't tell us if he won, didn't win. Wait, but what? like if I go on Jeopardy Who was and on I win, uh, Mike Goldstein is a downtown West alum from 2007. He dominated the entire game and then he lost in final Jeopardy. Mm. Okay. If I was on Jeopardy and I won, am I just not allowed to tell my family like I won? Like I think they're gonna piece two and two together, especially with Jeopardy, where like they're filming like a month in advance. So like a cow's just gone for a week. I think they'd piece it together. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to hold it in. I don't think you would. I also don't think you'd win Jeopardy, so it's it's fine. <laughs> we're, dealing, we're, dealing with, we're dealing with the hypotheticals. I have my Jeopardy question of the day. I dominate this thing. 49 out of 61 so far this year. It's like an 80% success rate. I would like win a lot of money with that. If, so Kyle just held up like a 19. 19- I love these things. 19. The, the, the peel off. I also okay. never peel the top because I like to have the entire year's yep. worth of. That looks like a desk calendar that I had when I was in junior high in the late 80s. If I had that, I feel like you would just completely clown me for that. But John, I'm very confident in who I am. So I have no problem with <laughs> showing you that, yes, I enjoy a trivia question of the day. So it's a Jeopardy calendar? Correct. Each, each week is like a, each, every five days is a new section. This, hmm. this has been an easy week. It's words for your dogs. So the, the, the answer this week was, it was a verb meaning to grind into small bits before it was a noun for dog food pellets. Mm. What is kibble? Oh, geez. Should have gotten that. All right. So before we close things out here by talking about spring football, which is going to be picking up, uh, picking up here in the next couple of weeks, uh, we did want to pay tribute on the podcast to former Temple assistant coach and a longtime coach. Uh, College coach, NFL coach, George DeLeon. Uh, George died Tuesday at the age of 73 after battling cancer. Uh, he spent two seasons as Temple's offensive coordinator in 2006, 2007. That was, a, that was the big deal hire for Al Golden at the time when he took over the Temple program and uh, came back to work at Temple for Matt Rule in 2016 to coach the offensive line. Then he went, to Matt, uh, went with Matt to Baylor you know, before he retired from coaching and I mean, he was just a terrific guy. It was always great to me. I, I learned a lot from him. He was always, anytime I interviewed him, he was always, I felt like he was always eating lunch. He was always enjoying a meal and uh, uh, just a terrific guy. I mean, he coached Marvin Harrison, Donovan McNabb, a, a lot of big time players. And uh, I knew that he had been sick and then actually uh, had a chance to catch up with Colin Thompson a couple of days ago. And he, he, you know, told me that this might be coming. And I just, uh, you know, our hearts go out to, to George's family. He was just, he was great. He was a terrific human being. And uh, again, was, was a big part of, of helping delay the foundation and getting things turned around. And I would imagine that, that Al Golden would say the same thing. So again, he passed away at the age of 73. We just wanted to extend our condolences to his family and pay tribute uh, to George. Kyle. I'm sorry, real quick. I just want to throw something out of that wild career. Yeah. George DeLeon's career could not happen now. He was defensive coordinator for Rutgers, mm-hmm. then offensive coordinator for, for Syracuse, or sorry, then defensive coordinator for Syracuse, then offensive coordinator, then offense, like he switched back and forth both sides of the ball. Uh, a real football guy, as they would say, just you don't see many of those anymore. You see like the Juan Castillos is what switch both sides. But for most things, football gets really niche and you get on your lane. And this, I'm an offensive line coach, and I coach offensive line. George DeLeon could do it all and did it all. Yeah, he was incredible. So 
Again, our hearts go out to his family. Kyle reported on Twitter last night, if you follow Kyle on Twitter, uh, reported last night that the spring practice will begin next Friday, March 11th. Temple's going to scrimmage twice prior to the April 9th cherry and white game. Uh, something else to keep uh, an eye on. Also, that Kyle reported last night, since Temple's nationally ranked women's lacrosse team is hosting Cincinnati that day at Howard Field, the location of the cherry and white game is up in the air right now. Uh, could be at Eberg Olson Hall or it could be uh, Cardinal O'Hara High School, as I understand it, right? Kyle is being mentioned as one of the sites where they could. Those, those are just two names that are two spots I've heard. Um, yeah. Cardinal O'Hara, obviously, they did in 2014, the second year of rule. Uh, and they did it at EO for years before Howard Field uh, yeah. was created. So, I mean, you, you could do either of them. I also, I mean, who knows? Maybe a doubleheader at somehow with lacrosse. I just know that that's a logistics thing that's currently being uh, ironed out. Yeah, the year that they did it at O'Hara was the year that they were putting laying down what the new turf and the new field over at EO. Can um, I tell my, I have two memories of that. One, we went to Taco Bell afterwards, and I don't think you made it out of the building without having to go to the bathroom. I think it was, <laughs> I think we ate Taco, we sat down, we ate Taco Bell with Nick Menta, and it was, was the combined Taco Bell KFC, which is still. And there. I think immediately you went to the bathroom. Two, and I, I, he's married now. So I'm sure he'll appreciate this. Nick Menta, a good friend of ours, who's written for a million times, Golf Channel, blah, 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 told me he set his Tinder range to zero feet. Like he said it as small as possible. He's like, I'm just trying to get somebody from these stands. Nobody, no, <laughs> nobody escapes Kyle's crosshairs. He literally was like, as, as small of a range as possible is what I'm coming for. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick will. We'll very much appreciate this. It's just <laughs> it just stuck to me. Like I remember just sitting in the has in the stands. They didn't have like a press box area. I was like, it's a high school. So we're in the stands with like people in front of us. Like all of a sudden Nick's just on tender and getting his range as short as possible. Oh my God. Javon is just 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 shaking his head right now. I'm just thinking back to my high school days and those Friday nights. And you know what? I know a couple cats who wish they had that idea back then. <laughs> It makes sense. It's like the other thing that people do online now is uh, they'll like download VPN so they can change where the internet thinks they are. So they would set their Tinder to like uh, Olympic athlete village, and like just like trying to like hook up with like speed skaters. And just, yeah, yeah. Everybody had the VPN in high school because uh, needed to get on Twitter and Instagram throughout the day. Yeah, so, circum- yeah. circumvent the the web filter. A guy I went to high school with got like suspended for weeks for doing that. For like circling, like getting around the web filter to play games or some crap, and then that was the times change. Yes, <laughs> it used to be hard. We have truly covered a lot of ground on on the scoop today. Um, the, we did get a football mailbag question here, and then I have a question for you guys after this to, to close things out. So the football mailbag question we got uh, is from the screen name from the message board two one five Temple Tough. Has Coach Drayton given any indication on if this will be an actual spring game with hitting and tackling or if it will be a glorified practice like it was under Rod Carey? Um, don't know yet. Haven't had the chance to ask him that. I, I will say to you, 215 Temple Tough, if you do listen back to the podcast, um, I honestly can't remember if we asked if that was in the the portion that was on the pod or if it was one of the other two parts that was uh, just available to our subscribers. But we did ask Stan Drayton about his philosophy just on hitting and tackling. And if you heard that, I mean, he did mention that, look, I, I, I essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, I want the team to be tough. I want us to be physical, but I am going to be checking him with our strength staff and in terms of just managing workloads and stuff like that. I don't know if that's going to be their approach to the spring game. We have not had the chance to ask him about that just yet. It's a good question, but I, I'm hoping that 
media access will be similar and that we'll maybe be able to talk to uh, coaches or players once or twice a week during the spring, but can't say we know that for sure just yet. Uh, my question for you guys is give me a, a player on each side of the ball that we are going to be talking about after spring ball as someone who who looks good, who looks like they have adopted well to this new coaching staff. Could be obvious, could be someone we're not thinking of, but just off, off top of your head, offense and defense, who's somebody we're going to be talking about on each side of the ball coming out of spring ball? Kyle, you want to take the lead on this one? <laughs> sure don't. And you would have right. thought we'd get it. <laughs> well, right, well, okay. I mean, I might as well. Um, <laughs> I'll start on offense. Let's just let's go with a bang here. Iris and Clement. Uh, I'm a sucker for stories when it comes to guys who need to prove themselves or feel the need to prove themselves. I think if he's the competitor I believe he is, he's got to come into this spring with a chip on his shoulder and tell Andrew Nate. I was four stars at Florida for a reason. You know, I should be RB1 on this depth chart. I, I think Iverson Clement is a guy we might hear a lot about for good reasons for the first time in quite a while. What about on defense? Oh, we're doing both at the same time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Alex Odom, I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. next guy up after MJ Griffin's gone, Amir Tyler's gone. Somebody else has to step up in that secondary. We already know enough about Cameron Ruiz. We know enough about Keyshawn Paul. But who's up next further back? I think Alex Odom is the guy to show he's ready to carry that load back there. No, I've had some time to, to digest this, and I have this sprung upon me. Um, I'm going to say on offense, I still think like people there's there's a void at wide receiver that needs to be filled with Randall Jones graduating and uh, Jaden Blue transferring to Virginia Tech. Uh, you have some quote unquote known commodities in the sense that like Ahmad Anderson has had his his highlights at times like the Memphis game he had a great game. Devon Fox has played a bit. I'm I'm still curious to see when the Zero Burnett, uh, the former Harrisburg product, um, I'm sorry Bishop McDevitt in Harrisburg product that went to Georgia Tech can do whether it's him. Or like a Zay Baines, but I'll, I'll say Nazir Burnett from offense, just because that's the type of such player that usually sticks out a lot in spring, and then you just have to hope to see that they translate that to the fall. On defense, uh, similar vein, I'll say with Javon that I think you know, that next level back is an interesting thing. But I'm going to say uh, Corey Palmer. Obviously, he started some games, played a couple games this year. Uh, curious to see if, if he'll be able to carve out a role. For me. I there is there is a part of me that that wants to say that I believe that a storyline coming out of the spring is going to be Dewan Mathis and that we're just going to hear that his decision making has been better that he's responded better to uh, the coaching of Danny Langsdorf a guy that's worked with a lot of quarterbacks and he's going to be saying, you know, Hey, I just feel more confident under the staff. I'm glad I stayed. Um, I'm just kind of just, you know, really clicking with his coaching. Uh, and it doesn't sound like the most adventurous thing to say, but you know, I think he, he knows that, um, obviously they still need some depth there and, you know, EJ Warner is coming in, not yet, but, um, EJ is not a mid-year enrollee, right. Still got to finish out right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. My gut tells me that that's going to be a storyline coming out of the spring or 
you know, between that and Darvon Hubbard for me, I mean, a guy that, that was behind some good backs at AM and and could just need a, you know, need a shot at Temple. And on defense, again, I think, you know, Deshaun Winston at safety, a guy, if he can stay healthy, they were excited about him and uh, was banged up there. I mean, again, they've, it's a, it's a rebuild. They need help at every position, but Hey, it's time to cover some spring football again pretty soon. So quick question for you sure. with, the, with the Mathis thing, you brought up something about you think he's going to come out on a, he feels more confident under this staff thing. Mm-hmm. Is, is my memory serving me wrong or was he like not handed the, the keys to the city by Kerry and your Removich last year? Like then they just announced him as the starter off rip and just rolled with him the whole season long. I mean, yeah, coming out of, you know, coming out of, um, you know, coming out of spring ball. Yeah. And I can't like, I I just, I don't know. I just, I just wonder if he's just going to benefit from, you know, if he's just going to click with, with a different coaching staff, you know, with a guy that has coached in some big time conferences and I don't know, just, just a gut feel for me again, he's got to go out and earn it, you know, um, he's got some things we can talk about this more next week. Dante Colinelli from our staff wasn't able to make it today, but um, we were talking, you know, amongst ourselves. And he said, "Yeah, I had the chance to look at some some all twenty two and from from last season, and it was not good, you know." And and I'm sure he can he can break down uh, Mathis's you know performances and what he saw from from certain games last year, and as we all could. But Dante had a chance to really watch some film and. Yeah, he's got a lot to he's got a lot to work on, but he's still the most, you know, experienced guy on this roster. I know it's not saying a ton because they don't have a lot of depth there, but um, I'll be very, very interested to see how he responds to a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, and just kind of have a feeling that that's going to be a narrative coming out of the spring. Obviously, he will have to carry it into into preseason camp and, uh, you know, he's going to have to have some better protection around him again from a from a, an offensive line that, that needs to be better. And, um, you know, again, I, there's not a position that we're going to be looking at that's not going to be intriguing to follow. But those would be my my choices. Dwan Mathis and, and Deshaun Winston come out of the spring. So, Kyle, any other goofy things you want to talk about before we close things out? Or Oh, I'm sorry for trying to bring some light into this world. <laughs> <laughs> we could use it, Kyle. We could use I'm it. Saying, apparently, I'm sorry. I'll just follow the script. <laughs> I was not on the script. Yes, John. No, John. Agree, John. Disagree, John. That's all I'll just say. I'm just going to just contribute that. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us again this week. A uh, big thank you to Jaleel White for joining us on The Scoop. Uh, thank you all for listening and subscribing. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to The Scoop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you access your podcasts. Drop us a rating and review where you can. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week with uh, more basketball talk and more spring football coverage to come. Thanks a lot. 